Welcome to the OT Potential Podcast, where each week we review one influential OT-related journal article. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Sarah Lyon, OTRL, and I'm so thankful that you are taking time from your busy OT life to join us today. It is a beautiful day here in Aurora, Nebraska, and we are especially excited because we just kicked off Auroran Days, tagline Auroran Good Time, and it is the celebration of our wonderful small town in Nebraska. If you're ever around Nebraska mid-June, this is just one of the best celebrations in the Midwest. We've also had a good week on the OT Potential blog. We released an update to our blog post, The Best resources for OT students. And this blog post has a special place in my heart because to be frank with you all, organization was not my forte during OT school. I remember OT school as being one of the just busiest times of my life. So I love putting together this blog post each year uh, with resources for how you can be more organized and more efficient and also just resources for staying focused on some big picture items like preparing for the NBCOT and for keeping your finances in check. So if you're a student or if you have a student, I encourage you to check out this blog post or share it with anyone uh, that might find it helpful. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. What we do each week is we review an influential OT-related article. I know that as occupational therapy practitioners, there are so many urgent things you need to get done each day, both at work and at home, uh, but sometimes the urgent takes us away from the important. And as occupational therapy practitioners, keeping up with research and evidence is a really important part of our job, but one I know that we don't have a lot of time for. So our goal in this podcast is to help distill research for you and help you stay up to date on important happenings in our profession. So this is our article of the week for June 24th through June 30th if you're in the OT Potential Club. Uh, if you're not familiar with the club, I will say a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast. And as always, the person that makes the most like comment during this week will receive $100. So the article that we're looking at today is Screening for Autism Spectrum Disorder in Young Children, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force Recommendations Statement. This article comes to us from JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. And whenever JAMA so much as breathes any words about occupational therapy, this is a time that we should pause and pay attention because this is one of the most influential medical journals out there. This is what a lot of our physicians are reading. So it's really important for us to see what they're seeing about occupational therapy. The impact factor of JAMA is 47.6. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that usually the impact factor factors that we're looking at are like three to four, maybe 10. So 47.6 tells us that this is a very influential journal. And again, quickly as a refresher, an impact factor is an average number of times that a journal article from a particular journal is cited by another journal in a given year. So on average, uh, 
article that appears in JAMA will be cited 47 times in a given year, meaning that all the articles that come into this journal really make an impact. This article was published in 2016, and it is ranked 16th on our list of the 50 most influential OT-related articles. So as the title indicates, this article outlines the recommendations from the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force on whether children who are 18 to 30 months should be screened for autism spectrum disorder, whether or not any concerns have been brought up related to autism. And the task force concluded that there was insufficient evidence to make a recommendation for screening. There simply was not enough studies about whether the benefits of screening for autism outweigh the potential harms. So I want to break this down a little bit further about what was stated in this article. Uh, There were kind of three main points that the task force looked at. The first was that there are screens that can detect autism between 18 and 30 months. These are reliable screens that do help eventually lead to a diagnosis. But second, there simply weren't high-level studies about the clinical outcomes of children with autism who are identified by these screens. There are a lot of studies about autism out there and about the efficacy of different treatments, but the article kind of alludes to a lot of these studies are with children who have more severe autism, whereas the population that you're would likely help identify as positive is children with less severe autism. And there just were not studies about whether earlier intervention with these children would be helpful. The other thing that it highlighted was that the potential harm of treatment is likely to be small. A lot of the treatments are behavioral, so the biggest downsides are the time and financial burden that they would place on the family. So how was occupational therapy involved in this journal article? Occupational therapy was highlighted as a current treatment for autism. The article didn't lay out a lot of information about um, occupational therapy treatment for autism. That really wasn't the focus of the content, but I did find it really helpful and important for therapists to note that the article did give us important information on who is making it to our caseload and who is not making it to our caseload who may benefit from our autism treatment. The article alluded to the fact that many children are actually significantly older than 18 to 30 months when they are diagnosed. I did a little more digging on this um, and found an article on Up to Date from 2019 that said that the median age of diagnosis is currently four years old. So a lot of children are older than they could be um, when they actually make it to treatment with us. The other thing I thought was important that the article highlighted was that disparities have been observed in the frequency and age at which Autism is diagnosed among children by race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and language of origin. So there are certain groups of children that are likely being underdiagnosed. I also wanted to let you know that the screening test that they cited as the most commonly studied tool is the Modified Checklist for Autism in Toddlers, revised with follow-up, called the MCHAT. And this is the screen that I saw most of the places that I read. 
The MCHAT is a parent-rated scale. It's very easy to administer. It's 20 questions. I found it just available for free online. And I think it's really important for us to know as occupational therapy practitioners that this is really accessible and easy if there is anyone on our caseload or if we have anyone in our lives where the parent is concerned about the development uh, of their child and possibly about autism. So the way this article ends is really interesting. It highlights the different agencies that have weighed in on screening for autism. And even though this is a very important topic, there's been research around it. Uh, Some of the smartest minds in the field are looking at it, but it highlights that different agencies have different recommendations on screening. For example, The American Board of Pediatrics actually recommends universal screening for all children at 18 and 24 months for autism. The American Academy of Neurology and the Child Neurology Society recommends routine developmental surveillance be performed on all children to identify those at risk for any atypical development, followed by screening specifically for autism for any children failing routine developmental screening procedures. And the UK National Screening Committee does not recommend screening for autism, again, due to the lack of evidence about the benefits of early screening. So like so many things, this is one of those interesting topics where the deeper you dig into it, the kind of more complex the picture becomes. From what I can tell from reading, for sure that recommendation from the American Board of Pediatrics has meant that more and more children are getting screened earlier and that more children are receiving their diagnoses earlier. But this is definitely something I expect to be studied and discussed more and something that will have an impact on our practices. So what are my big takeaways from this article? I have two of them. The first, like I just said, that this is an important upstream issue for OTs to be aware of. I know that it doesn't directly impact our treatments, but it does really impact who is receiving our treatments. And it's important to be aware of um, how people are getting to our caseload and how that might be changing in the future. I also thought the efficacy of the screens was really important to know about that uh, this is something that we can have confidence in and work with our general practice doctors to get these screens done if we see children who might benefit from one. And my second takeaway was that this article was just a great reminder of how complex many healthcare issues are and how at the end of the day, it comes down to your clinical reasoning and just doing what's best for the patient in front of you. The article was redundant about this one line and said it several times that clinicians should understand the evidence, but individualize decision-making to the specific patient or population. And I thought that this was a good reminder, not just about autism screening, not just about primary care, but also kind of for every healthcare professional that it is our professional duty to be aware of the evidence or lack thereof or mixed evidence, but at the end of the day to do our best for the patients that we're working with. And this is what this podcast is all about. We want you to feel empowered that you are up to date and confident as you are making those tough clinical decisions. Okay, that is all that I have for you on this article. I know that there 
is a lot more to discuss about this. And if you want to dive into this article more deeply or just have an archive of what we talked about, I want to encourage you to join the OT Potential Club. The OT Potential Club is our online journal club. It's $25 per year to sign up. And with each article we go over, we also have a forum where clinicians can discuss how this affects their practice or any questions that they might have. I know that it's really hard to take new information in and actually implement it in your practice. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is if we do that together and as a group. And that is really what the OT Potential Club is designed to do. Like I mentioned before, to celebrate the most liked comment each week, I send $100 to the person who made the comment. So you can head on over to the club to get started. You can sign in or sign up at otpotential.com. If being a member of our journal club isn't your thing, that is totally fine. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope that you subscribe and tune in next week. And thank you so much to all of you for joining us today. And I hope you give great care this week.